We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello, I'm Brandon Perna, host of That's Good Sports, a 10-minute-ish daily NFL comedy podcast. Have you ever wished for a crappy version of The Daily Show, but only about the NFL? Then, first and foremost, I implore you to dream much bigger. Secondly, I would recommend subscribing to That's Good Sports. Every weekday, I will be giving you NFL news, telling questionable jokes, and swearing just enough so you won't ever be able to listen with your kids in the room or car. I don't ask for a lot, but if you don't subscribe on iTunes, my wife said she will leave me. Thanks, and I look forward to putting my voice in your ear holes. You're listening to The Uncontested, an Oklahoma City Thunder and NBA podcast featuring Jacob. All you haters come at me. Taylor. You're a step past a hater like I'm Rondo. Upgrade your baby mama to a condo. Nick. I really wouldn't mind taking a flyer on Swaggy Pete. Kamiar. I just got done taking a nap. And Justin. I'm too fast. What is up and welcome to the Uncontested Podcast. We are a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. You can find our episodes anywhere you download podcasts at and at bluewiresports.com. Welcome back to the season preview series. We are getting close to the end, guys. We are uh, one to two episodes away and we will have all 30 teams in the league previewed heading into the 2019-2020 NBA season, which is just right around the corner When this podcast drops on Monday morning, we will be one week away from a lot of teams hosting their media days right before training camp. So we're nearly there. This week on the preview pod, we're covering three teams for you guys. First off, the Dallas Mavericks. We had Stephon Stevenson of the Fort Worth Star-Telegram on to talk about the Dallas Mavericks, who are a really interesting team, two really high, highly touted European guys on that squad. It should be interesting. 
We'll also talk about the Lakers, who who in the NBA is not talking about the Lakers right now. We have Trevor Lane, the senior writer for Lakers Nation and host of the Laker Nation podcast, on to talk about what LeBron, AD, and company can look forward to this season. And then lastly, we had Rob Wolkenbrod to cover the Spurs. He works for both Fansided and Forbes Sports. So let's just jump right into it and get you guys to some some basketball talk. Again, first up, we're going to jump over and have you listen to some stuff about the Mavericks. Enjoy. Hey, guys, this is Taylor. And first off, to kick off our, our season preview episode uh, number six now, I believe, we have Stefan Stevenson to cover the Dallas Mavericks. He is a reporter for the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. Who he covers the Mavericks, obviously, but he also covers uh, just about any other sports in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. For example, I was actually uh, going through and scrolling through earlier today. Uh, he, he has a lot of great articles right now about the Dallas Cowboys uh, in the heart of football season. He also had a, a really cool article about the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates uh, bullpen that I found really interesting because he writes about the Rangers. Uh, so you can find a lot of his content over at the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. And you can also find him specifically on Twitter at Stevenson. That's S-T-E-V-E-N-S-O-N. Stevenson, F-W-S-T. Uh, so, Stefan, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, we really appreciate it. No problem. I appreciate you having me. So, just kind of jumping into uh, the, the Mavericks season this past season and then what they kind of are expecting coming into this current season that we're getting so close to, thankfully. We're finally almost there, but uh, football's started in the meantime to kind of get us by. <laughs> but the, yeah, the Mavericks, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I know you've been busy with, with, the, with the Cowboys. It's, it's been a fun team as well. Uh, but the Mavericks... Or another really interesting team. I think you're going to have two back-to-back seasons, NBA and NFL, uh, of really interesting and fun teams to cover. You know, they ended the season this past season 36 and 46, which was 14th in the West, but it was a much more optimistic and a more exciting uh, season, I think, than the season suggests because. You guys got to see Luka Doncic develop into a potential all-star and maybe even a potential superstar um, and win Rookie of the Year. And then the Mavericks mm-hmm. also traded for Chris Asperzingis. Um, and so then, you know, that was this past season. Obviously, Chris Hops was, was hurt and didn't get to play. And so over the summer, the Mavericks had quite a bit of cap, cap room and cap space. Um, but instead of going after maybe second or third tier free agents, I feel like they're pretty smart and fairly conservative. Um they well, first of all, I guess Dirk retired. That needs to be mentioned. Uh, Dirk ended up retiring this past season was his last season, so he was no, will no longer be with the Mavericks, which will be really strange this coming season. Um, Dwight Powell yeah, signed a yeah, three-year. Oh, sorry, <laughs> um, Dwight Powell signed a three-year, thirty-three million dollar contract extension. Delon White signed a three-year, twenty-eight point five million dollar contract uh, with Memphis, and it was part of a signing trade. Uh, they signed Seth Curry to a four-year, $32 million contract, which uh, was a, a pretty big free agency, free agency signing to bring Seth back. They signed Maxi Kleber to a new four-year, $35.9 million deal. I know they're they're really high on Maxi. Yeah. Uh, they also they signed Dorian Finney-Smith, brought him back uh, on a three-year, $12 million deal. And then, uh, talked about Porzingis, they signed him to a five-year, $158.25 million max contract. Uh, they also signed uh, NBA fan favorite Boban to a two-year, $7 million deal. And they brought back J.J. Barea for what seems to be uh, rumors I kind of have seen might be his his last year, uh, maybe of his NBA career, on a one-year, $2.56 million deal. And then finally, on draft night, they traded Detroit for Isaiah uh, Roby, I believe is how you say his last name, uh, yep. who, who was taken 45th overall. So essentially, they had Detroit select him, uh, Roby, uh, on their behalf. So uh, injury-wise, heading into the season, 
I mentioned Porzingis. Uh, obviously, he had the ACL tear with the Knicks the 2017-2018 season. But apparently, he's been scrimmaging at full strength with teammates and is expected to be ready to go by training camp. And then J.J. Barea tore his uh, Achilles this past season, but he also is supposed to be cleared and ready for training camp, which is great news. Salary situation. Uh, oh, sorry. I was, I was going to say, uh, yeah, that um, he, he's a really good clubhouse guy. So, oh, yeah, uh, right. It'd be good to have him back. And just having right his his veteran presence in the locker room, I think, will be huge, especially for uh, some of these younger guys, you know, like Luca and and Kristaps. I think that's great. Absolutely. Um, and then, and then uh, per our friend of the pod, Keith Smith, Keith Smith, he was actually on a preview of the Celtics season uh, on this, the past uh, season preview episode. Um, he has a salary cap sheet that that's really handy, a spreadsheet, and he has the Mavs a little under twenty four million um, over the cap. And has them at about twelve million under the luxury tax, but they are hard capped because of that Delon White signing trade with Memphis. And then finally, uh, Westgate has the Mavericks over under at forty one wins, which is five games better than last season. So that was a mouthful, and I apologize, but it was a pretty fun uh, and interesting off season for the Dallas Mavericks. So, uh, Stefan, just your thoughts on maybe the the trades or signings and the draft that the Mavericks had this summer, and you know maybe more specifically. You guys are going to have Kristaps Porzingis for the first time. I get to see him on the court for the first time with Luca. And maybe your thoughts on how Luca and Kristaps will, will look together. Well, that that is uh, what Dallas Mavericks fans are excited about. Obviously, um, you mentioned his injury, and it it was it was probably the case that he that Porzingis technically could have played at the tail end of the season last year. Because he was practicing full go, and uh, the Mavs um, said that he was good, but they it was not worth the risk, and they weren't making the playoffs. As soon as it was clear that they weren't making the playoffs, I think that's when you know the decision was made uh, for sure that they were not going to risk anything and, and send him out there just to just to get him on the floor um, for no good reason. But yes, yeah, to your question. Um, to actually get to see Luka Doncic and Porzingis on the floor together as teammates and to see how um, they can work together and what kind of problems they can, they can give uh, opponents um, is what really has uh, Mavs fans excited about the year. And you're right, even though they were 10 games under 500 and were tied for second worst record in the Western Conference, um, last year, it, it was a fun season to to watch and cover because of Luca, and I think you're right about his uh, the potential for him to not only be just an all star but to be a superstar. He, at 19 years old, I mean, he looked. It's just amazing um, how I hate to use the word easy, but for 19, for him to come in and, and make the transition uh, to the NBA look so smooth um he never really was embarrassed um and he made some clutch shots and and, and, right. and the, the Mavs give a lot of credit there, the explanation for that uh when you talk to Donnie Nelson and and Rick Carlisle is that he was playing a professional league for several years in Europe so he he it might not have been the NBA, but he was playing at a high level, so it was different than a college kid playing um, college players. So, uh, but still, it was. I, I think it he uh, more than surpassed expectations, and 
the, the sky is the limit for him, and that's how the Mavs view him. And, and I think they should because he he um, he he did he said and did uh, all the right things, and um, uh, could you know has that face of the franchise type vibe to him that Dirk has had, and uh, who you also alluded to, and um, right. it's sort of a, a seamless segue um, from Dirk to Luca. And then when you add the Brazingas thing that people forget was an all-star and a really, really talented player Absolutely. before he got hurt. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of excitement. And uh, I think that 41 uh, game over-under is probably pretty accurate. I mean, Vegas, yeah. they always know what they're talking about. Right, um, and they're getting better and, and better. <laughs> um, and and that, that's sort of what I was thinking if not a little better, I know you'll you'll probably uh, uh, get back to me and ask me about my what I think they'll, they'll do do this year. Yes. But the okay. problem is is the Western Conference is so stacked, as everybody knows, and um, you, you got to get to almost fifty wins to to I guess the 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 lowest seed this past year uh, had forty eight wins. What was the Spurs and Clippers? Yep. They both had forty eight wins. So. Um, you got it right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, 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 but but five hundred is not going to do it. Like like it ha, like it has in the past sometimes. You know, like in the East. Right. Uh, so anyway, um, and I I think I think they they handled their uh, the off season good. Some fans were uh, disappointed that they didn't make a bigger splash, but I don't think that's necessary. I don't. I think they think they have the pieces. Um, to, to start turning the corner uh, and, and and be a perennial playoff team for years to come, if not in 2020, uh, 2021 and going forward. So um, if anything, uh, they, they have high expectations for Maxi Cleaver and yes. Dwight Powell to come in there. Somebody's got to come in there and, and be a scrappy rebounder and kind of an enforcer. And maybe Boban is the uh, – going to be asked to do some of that but uh, that's the one thing that maybe uh, they lack and need to address if they if, if they don't feel like they've done it yet but um, I think they're still a year away from really making hay but you know I mean if, if Porzingis come uh, you know hits the floor uh, like he like he never missed any time um, that's a pretty pretty good one-two punch now it might it might take some time for them to to get on the same page and to get get in the groove but um you know they also got some good players in in that trade uh with the knicks and uh not besides porzingis right yeah and, tim hardaway jr and uh i guess court is courtney lee still there um I should have looked into that more, but yeah, yeah, he is. Okay, yeah. So I mean, you're right. They have some great role players right there, to, and some some vets to kind of lead that the kind of mentor the the young guys. I mean, you mentioned JJ Brea coming back. Now, um, you mentioned Dirk. You know, obviously uh, Dirk's been lost, um, and I think maybe at this point in his career, maybe his biggest. Um, where he contributed the most might have been the locker room and kind of mentoring these young guys like Luca and yeah. uh, and like uh, Chris Stapps. Is there anybody else, or, or do you want to elaborate on Dirk, or is there anybody else maybe that uh, that you feel like the Mavericks lost this season that uh, was big for them, or was it really just kind of Dirk maybe being their biggest their biggest loss? Um, I th- well, yeah. I mean, obviously Dirk in the presence, and he will be around. He he will be a consultant, and he'll 
that's he'll that's be, huge. He'll, he'll be that's yeah. Great. It is. I think it's uh, those sort of things are sometimes overlooked by fans, but he he'll be a sounding board for players. Kind of like and, a, maybe like a Tim Duncan role before obviously Tim got on with the uh, with the Spurs coaching staff, but prior yes. to that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I mean, because uh, all those guys had nothing but obviously uh, respect for for Dirk and how oh, he handled absolutely. handled right. his business, and he so he's got all the cred in the world. Um, and you know, I don't want to sound negative about Dirk because uh, it was a moving way he said goodbye, but um, it really sort of in the last couple of years um, with the injuries that he dealt with, it kind of hamstrung. Um, Carlisle to a degree. I mean, they weren't going to win anything anyway. But, That's a fair point, uh, though. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Rick Carlisle uh, was adamant about getting guys in as much as possible, especially when it was clear they weren't going to, they didn't have a chance at the playoffs last year. And, uh, and, but he also wanted Dirk to have a good, a good send off and, so that that was something. Basically, that was a juggling match for right for, for right. Rick, and they, and they so to have that not there anymore will be good for Rick Carlisle and the coaching staff. I think it kind of um, just lets him free and uh, it lets the team free, right? To kind of to to focus now on this uh, these young budding yeah, players and, and on the future right. and the future. Yeah, right, exactly. Right. So you you kind of alluded to this earlier, um, but I'm curious to get your your take on it. Are you expecting some changes with this team throughout the season, or do you think kind of where they're at right now, they're just going to try and stick with their their players and, and make a push for one of those last couple of seeds in the playoffs, or do you think they're to the point where they're like, yeah, you know, we can make a solid push, and maybe if we get a couple more pieces um, in a trade, for example, um, that we'd be able to you know make that push? Do you think they'll be looking to make some changes? That that's interesting. It's I think it's possible, but it would be some sort of move. Uh, that they that they would do that they think would lead to success down the road, not this year, not in okay, twenty, that's a, not not in twenty nineteen twenty twenty. I think it would be more of a long term type thing. But um, I I would be lying if I if I if I had told you that um, I thought there was something in the works or that they were already hot to trot to do something. I think they want to see how. Uh, I think they need to formulate their starting five. That's still in flux. I mean, I, I think, you know, three of them, three or four of them maybe, but um, I, I think, I think they'll, they'll, we'll see how the first couple months go before they, they, they start thinking about uh, their, their roster and the makeup of it and whether or not they, they like what they have. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. That makes sense. I think you made a really good point. You know, they aren't just going to make like a win now move, for example, it's going to be a, a, uh, a move that can, can help contribute currently, but also that uh, they can, you know, kind of build w- with Luca and Kristaps uh, uh, moving forward. I think that's a really good point. So, uh, speaking of those two and kind of this new core that the Dallas Mavericks have and this this new era as a as Dirk passes the torch to Luca, um, what are your projections for this team this season? Um, do you see them improved? Do you see them playoff bound? Um, do you kind of have what What are your expectations? Um. I would be shocked, and it would be a huge disappointment if they didn't at least go 500. I think um, I, that's that's a what a five game improvement over right. last year. Um, I would lean towards them winning more like 43, 44 games, maybe um, a little over 500, which probably is still not good enough to uh, make the playoffs in the West. Um, I, I think 
that's the I think the, the average Mavs fan and even the organization at this point would be shocked if they if they went under if they if they finished under 500. Uh, Chris Chris Stapps is thought of too highly as a player and as a, a weapon, um, and so is Luca. And if Luca takes a big step forward, um, as a as a 20 year old and he'll turn 21 in February. Um, which is, you know, that, that just shows you how young he is. I was going to say, I mean, um, that's, that's pretty incredible. Yeah. Uh, it, it, you know, I, I, I can see this team being the type of, I can see the way it's made up that this team could be a slow starting team and that it, they really turn, start, start gelling better in January and February. And maybe it'll be too late to make a playoff run. Um, but I think it might take some time, and uh, and then the, to go back to your question about the trades earlier, uh, that that sort of kind of um, probably would pr- prohibit them from uh, thinking too much about trading uh, somebody when when a, when a playoff run doesn't look possible. Um, right. But I, I just think it'll take some time to get get these guys on the same page, even though they've been working out together a lot. Uh, obviously, uh, even Porzingis back back in last spring was out on the floor with them in practice. So, right. um, That's a good but plan. you know, Tim Hardaway was uh, got injured and didn't play. What uh, I don't know how much he didn't play there at the end of the season, but right. um, he he he's he's a good player, and I think he he can work well with Luca. At the guard position, and um, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see uh, who who sort of takes the mantle um, down low. If uh, if Powell can kind of do that, it, it, kind of it, it, deal, or if it'll be somebody different. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Dwight Powell really had flashes of oh, where he it, it really it really seemed like he was going to take it up another notch and and be the player that some people thought that he could be eventually. Um, so that, that'll be, that'll be interesting to watch. And, um, you know, there was rumors that he was going to, that he was going to, that he wanted to leave, uh, at the end of the year when, uh, during free agency. But, um, that was, that I think his, you know, he really likes it here. He's another guy that's, uh, you know, he, he might not be, uh, have the, the skins on the wall that, that Dirk does, but he's a really great guy in the, in the locker room. And has a lot of respect from the or, for, from his teammates and from the organization. So um, he he's the kind of guy that 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 Mavs fans would uh, find easy to root for. Right, right. And that's that's interesting that you bring up guys like uh, Powell and I think you mentioned uh, Maxi Kleber. Kle- is it Kleber or Kleber? Yeah, Maxi Kleber. Okay. okay, cool, good. Um, so you mentioned guys like guys like them earlier on. Um, just Continuing with your expectations for the, this season, the, the last kind of couple questions I have for you concerning that, and they're kind of one and the same, really, is um, is there any breakout players? Like, do you think those two could be considered to be breakout players this coming season or, or underrated players? You know, like I said, I guess those are kind of one and the same. Uh, but I think those are two guys that, at least outside of the Mavericks fandom and organization that we uh, as NBA fans really hear a lot about is, uh, you know, the really high Maxi and, and like you said, Powell had a, a really solid season last year. We don't... Justin Jackson, um, the small oh, forward yeah, that, they, that they got in in the trade. Who was that trade with? I'm blank. Oh, Sacramento. Sacramento. Uh, yep. 
for the um uh goodness they heard some barn trade. Yes, exactly. Um, I'm glad you remember that because that would have been. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I, I swear that that seems like it was five years ago, but it was I, like I five, was thinking the same was, exact thing. It was only five months ago, uh, but you know he really he he had some really nice games down the stretch uh, at the end of the season, and he's a guy that that I think could could impress people. Um, he, he he's he's fast and he's quick and um, he's long and he, he's got a smooth presence uh, in the paint. Um, he's not the bruiser and the, the rebounding dude that I, I was uh, talking about earlier that they do need. But if he can develop a consistent shot, mid-range shot, um, although I know mid-range shots are not that popular right now, um, <laughs> It, for a player like it, that, I know exactly what you mean. I mean that could just yeah. kind of complete his his uh, his skill set. Yeah, he, 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 I mean, I, I think if if depending on what kind of camp he has and um, if his body's changed at all, I mean, he could he could be a potential starter. I think uh, uh, when when the season starts, but um, I, you know, we're a long way from that, and who knows uh, how things have gone in, over the summer for him. Well, he's definitely the, the kind of the stereotypical three and D um, prototype, yeah. you know, that, that you hear so much about. He really fits that mold. And uh, he kind of reminds me of a guy here in OKC, kind of in, in Terrence Ferguson, who uh, it, they're different positions, I, but, you know, mm-hmm. kind of hoping for the same thing with them with that potential. That, that's a great answer and something that, you know, I, somebody I hadn't really heard a lot. So I, I love that you, you brought that up. Yeah, he had, he had 19 points uh, on um, against Memphis, I remember. Uh, he, he shot the yeah. three assists that night, and, um, and he, I think he scored. I, I'm, look, I'm looking it up here. He, yeah, he scored double figures in his last four games. Wow. So, yeah. um, I mean, you know, it, it's not mind-blowing, but he kind of showed him something down the right. stretch. Yeah, it's really Yeah, when he got a chance um, to get in there, um, he looked like a nice player. So, that, that'd be a guy uh, I, I would I would have my eye on if I was looking for somebody under the radar. I love it. So I have two more questions here, Stefan, before we before we let you go. Um, I, I hope I haven't I haven't said too many ums today. Oh no no no, you're good. I promise. <laughs> I promise. Yeah, yeah it's, that's that's a part of podcasting. I feel like I feel like our, our listeners are very very uh, very acquainted with that for sure. Uh, well, I apologize <laughs> to anybody listening uh, for all my ums. Maybe maybe they can be edit, edited out. Yeah, there you go. No, I promise you're good. You're doing okay. good. So uh, the last one, or two, second to last question, I guess that I have for you here, and you kind of mentioned this earlier, but we mentioned earlier that Vegas has the Mavs over under number at 41 wins, and that puts them at, or per Westgate that would put them at ninth in the West this coming season, fighting yep. for play, uh, the last couple playoff spots with teams like the Kings, the Pelicans, the Spurs, uh, and others. So it seems to me that you're probably taking the over on that 41 rather than the under. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, I would take the uh, the over. Yeah, and, and I'm with you. Uh, you know, I, uh, I. I mean, not not by much, but I think I think 45 wins is uh, is won't be wouldn't be shocking. Right, right. No, I'm definitely with you. And so for the last question here, this, this one's a fun one, and it kind of it puts our guests on the spot, but they also have a lot of fun with it. <laughs> so uh, before I let you go. Hit me with three predictions for your team this year for the Mavs, and they can be team related or individual related. 
they can be hot takes if you want them to be, or they can be just kind of, you know, the first ones that come to your head. Um, so some examples, like, you know, is somebody going to win like most valuable player, most improved player, or, you know, will the Mavericks yeah, make, making the playoffs, honestly, what it could be one, or will they get home court advantage in the playoffs? You know, anything like yeah. that that you have that comes, comes to your head, three predictions for the Mavericks for this upcoming season. Okay. Uh, one that comes, uh, uh, that I don't even have to think about is I think Luca will be an all-star this year. He was, like he that. was, he was close to being an all-star. He almost replaced a couple people that had injuries, but he ended up just doing the, the three point contest. I think, um, uh, or, no, he played in the rookie game. That's right. Right. Yeah. The yeah. Red stars. Yep. Uh, uh, that's one. Uh, maybe, maybe all three of mine will be Luca related. I don't know. I, but, hey, uh, I like it. <laughs> um, what else? Uh, I think JJ Barea will come back and be. Uh, I think I think you're right. It probably will be his last season. But I think you know he was he was playing well too before he got hurt. Oh, us Thunder fans are very well aware. He kills yeah, us every uh, time. <laughs> I mean, he, and he 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 doesn't look like he's lost a step. So I guess right. my my prediction for him would be that uh, he would be in the running for comeback player of the year. That's awesome. Um, I like it. And then, I guess my wacky, my my wacky uh, third prediction will be that that the West beats up on itself more, and it's not so as it, it, with all the it, the flux of of the the talent that moved around to the Lakers and to the Rockets. I think. You know, it kind of was this way last year with the Warriors. I'm looking at the standings. They right. they topped the league at 57 wins, and then you had Nuggets at 54, the Blazers and Rockets at 53, and the Jazz at 50. I think there's going to be. I think it's going to probably cap at like 50, 55 wins for the top team. And I'm thinking that maybe that seventh and eighth spot in the playoffs in the West drops down from 48 wins that the Spurs and Clippers had. And I'm going to say the 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 Mavs actually make the playoffs with like 46, 46 wins. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I, that's funny that you mentioned that. I literally was thinking about that uh, actually over the past couple of days, uh, kind of preparing for our, our we do a, a weekly group Thunder uh, related podcast and a kind of round association type podcast uh, every week, and then also just kind of listening to my my normal uh, NBA podcast that I listen to. I think you're exactly mm-hmm. right. This new era of kind of the quote unquote big twos compared to the big three, it's created more kind of parity in the league. Yeah, and uh, I think yeah, you're exactly more, right. We're more seeing, in a- it's yeah, more NFL-like. Right, exactly. We're going to see more teams beating up on each other. Like, If we think teams, like I mentioned, the Mavericks and the Kings and the Pelicans are going to get more wins, those wins have to come from somewhere. And like you said, yeah. I definitely think they're going to come from the top. We aren't going to see the Warriors with 60 wins. You know, We're going to see I, more teams. I, with the and, I know this is, and I know this has nothing to do with our podcast, but like for example, the Phoenix Suns only had 19 wins. I don't think they're going to have below 20 wins again. So, right. That's uh, I mean, crazy. I, I think another team could could take their place, but I just think it's going to be more of a crowded bunch of of 55 to 45 win teams um, in the West, and it'll be more like the East was last year with the Nets and Magic and and Pistons all making it with 42 or 41 wins. So, right. You know, I, um, I'm with you completely. Awesome. Yeah. No. Yeah, I think that's that's yeah, no, absolutely. I, that that was a great great point. So, I think that's all we got for you. I mean, that was some great content. I wish we could sit here and 
now transition over to the Dallas Cowboys or something, but <laughs> it's going to be a, it's going to be a fun season for them as well. I have Dak on my fantasy team, so I'm excited. <laughs> if, the listeners, if the listeners knew what we went through to get this podcast recorded. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. We knew. really appreciate Stefan. He, uh, he hung out. He, he, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, he, he hung partly, with us. It was partly user error. There's no question. I'm, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm not the smartest when it comes to technology, but there was also some some uh, problems. Headphones. That, uh, we're out of my yeah. control, I think. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah, so we, we really appreciate you sticking with us, Stefan. You you did awesome. And like you said, we, we made it. We got to it. So <laughs> it awesome. tur- turned out perfect. So, guys, again, please give Stefan uh, Stevenson a follow. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at StevensonFWST. And you can also find all of his work as well as his colleagues' work uh, over at the Fort Worth Star Telegram. Like I said, they cover all sports. Uh, if you're into to football and the Cowboys right now, they've had some great stuff. The Rangers, even some college football stuff. So give them some, yeah. some reads and views. And uh, thank you again, Steph. And we'll, we'll try and stay in touch throughout the season and, and continue to talk Mavericks and Thunder. And who knows, maybe it'll be a crazy Thunder Mavericks trade or something. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I, uh, I, I, I think there could be some fun games with the Thunder and Mavs and the Spurs and and the Rockets this season. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It'll be fun. So thank you again. Thanks, sir. Thanks again to Stefan for coming on the podcast. Dallas is going to be a really interesting team this year. I'm kind of on the fence if they're going to be a playoff team or not. If not, it's going to be close. They're they're one of those teams that's right there kind of in the mix for that 7 or 8 seed in the West. So should be fascinating. Let's just jump right on over now into the Los Angeles Lakers interview that we conducted with Trevor Lane. He's the senior writer for Laker Nation and host of the Laker Nation podcast. Lakers have a chance to win a title this year. So let's jump over and take a listen. Here we go. All right, guys, we're now joined by Trevor Lane. He is a senior writer for LakersNation.com. You can find him on Twitter at Trevor underscore Lane. Trevor, how you doing? Doing good. Doing good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. We're glad you're on here. I get to talk some Laker basketball. They're one of the most intriguing teams going into next season. Uh, But before we jump into next season, if you would, just kind of touch on you know what went down last season, how they finished in the uh, in the Western Conference, what their record was, and you know overall just how the season went. Sure, yeah. I mean, the the Lakers last season finished a, a disappointing thirty seven and forty five. So not what anybody was expecting when LeBron James came to town. Everybody thought this is going to be it. The playoff drought is going to end, and this Lakers team will be a serious contender. And obviously, that that didn't happen. Uh, part of that was due to roster construction. We saw the team bringing in non shooters, guys like Rajon Rondo, Lance Stevenson, Michael Beasley, and Stevenson and Rondo did okay shooting, but uh, Javale McGee just. The, the makeup of the roster wasn't a typical LeBron James-led team where you surround him with shooters and let LeBron do his thing and kick out to, to wide-open uh, marksmen. So that was an issue, but also injuries really derailed the Lakers. LeBron missed a, a number of games due to a groin injury. We saw JaVale McGee, Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma, Rajon Rondo. Basically every single key piece for the Lakers was down for significant parts of the season due to injury. So we never really got to see last season's Lakers fully together. In fact, with every key piece available, there were only 11 games on the season where all of them were together and healthy and able to play. 
So a frustrating season for from that regard, but obviously they've made some major changes moving forward, and there's renewed optimism in Los Angeles that they will once again be a title contender. 11 games. I actually had not heard that stat. That is wild. You can't you can't expect any team in the league to really to make a playoff push and be a good team when you only have 11 fully healthy games. That's nuts. Yeah, and I, I'm stretching it a little bit because I'm including guys like like Rondo and JaVale in that as, as well. And Rondo broke his hand twice last season. But yeah, with, with all of the pieces that Luke Walton was really planning on leaning on uh, being in uniform, yeah, it was about 11 games that they were actually out there together, which is which is crazy. That is that is absolutely crazy. Um, so looking at next season, obviously a lot of those guys you mentioned from last season are no longer on the roster, and the Lakers did have one of the most – um, you know, crazy free agency summers that, that we've seen a little bit. So if you will just touch on, you know, who's in, who's out, what they did in the draft, who they traded for, all those kinds of things. Sure. Well, the, the big thing was getting Anthony Davis, and that was something that we heard a ton during the at the trade deadline. In fact, that may have played a role in the team's demise in terms of their, their chemistry. Things kind of started to fall apart when the, all the AD trade rumors were popping up towards the end of January and then into the, the February trade deadline. But, uh, but finally, the Lakers and Pelicans were able to come to an agreement. They got the deal done. The Pelicans got a lot. They got multiple first-round picks. They got Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, and Josh Hart. They even have a pick swap in there, and they get to pick which years they want them. And look, the Lakers gave up a ton, but, uh, but they bring in Anthony Davis. They get that second superstar to play alongside LeBron James. They get somebody they hope they can build around moving forward, too, as LeBron you know, eventually starts to decline. Father time is is undefeated, so we know that's going to be happening at some point. And uh, an AD will be a free agent next summer, but the Lakers feel like they've got a really, really great shot at uh, at retaining him. From there, they went ahead and uh, and were chasing Kawhi Leonard. It looked like they were in really good shape to perhaps land him. Um, the Clippers ultimately decided to fork over a ton of assets in order to bring in Paul George, which swayed Kawhi Leonard and made him. Uh, join the Clippers instead. So now we have a, a real LA rivalry brewing here. But the Lakers then pivoted and, and went for guys like Danny Green. They went for Quinn Cook. Uh, they brought in Jared Dudley. Players, guys that can shoot. That was their their big goal this summer. If they didn't get Kawhi, was to go in and right the wrongs of the previous summer where they didn't target shooting, and this time to really go after shooters. And and they did that. They did a solid job at, at bringing in the talent that they could, given that they, they were a little bit late to the party in terms of signing free agency free agents because they waited for so long for Kawhi. Um, unfortunately, they've already had an injury. DeMarcus Cousins, they signed for one year, $3.5 million, looked like a massive steal for the Lakers, and he goes down with an ACL injury. Most likely out for the year, the Lakers get a disabled player exception for him. So that's where we're at at this point. The team is building around LeBron and Anthony Davis. And uh, they've got some pieces that on paper look like they're going to fit better than they did last season. But it's going to be up to new head coach Frank Vogel to uh, to put it all together and see if he can build a cohesive team on the fly. Right. And and I think you're, you're spot on. The, the person, personnel on the roster last season just didn't seem right for a LeBron team. And it does seem like they are going for that more, um, you know, Cleveland Cavaliers type roster around LeBron, where you surround them with shooters and and guys that can that can hit a bucket whenever they need to, rather than all these ball handlers and you know guys that like to get to the rack. I think it's I think it's going to be a much better fit overall. Not to mention they did get another generational talent, Anthony Davis. But on the on the topic of of coaching changes and front office changes, you did just mention. Um, one of those, if you'd go ahead and, and dive a little deeper into the changes on that front. 
Sure. So Luke Walton, they they mutually parted ways. Um, there were some there was some issues going on there. Magic Johnson, who who left, and and uh, you know that was not pretty. Magic Johnson decided to step down in the final game of the season. Actually, right before the final game, he announced that he was leaving, and uh, apparently he had wanted to get rid of Luke Walton. There was a little bit of pushback on that. Rumors were persisting that maybe he wanted to get rid of Rob Palenka as well, that they weren't seeing eye to eye on things. Ultimately, he didn't get support there and decided to leave. So Magic was was on his way out. And uh, and Luke Walton, knowing now with what Magic had said, that uh, that he was probably on the chopping block, but the Lakers decided, you know, they would try to negotiate with him and keep him. Didn't work out. Walton finally just said, you know, hey, I'd, I'd like I'd like out of here. So the Lakers uh, let him go. And he went up to up north to join the Sacramento Kings. And the Lakers went on a coaching search, and they were interviewing a few guys. Monty Williams, Ty Lue were the main ones we were hearing about with Frank Vogel potentially joining Ty Lue as an assistant. And then the Ty Lue thing fell through. The Lakers wanted to give him a three-year deal to match what LeBron James has on his contract, and Lue wanted a four-year deal. And that's where the talks broke apart, didn't work out. And so the Lakers pivoted and ultimately gave the job to uh, to Frank Vogel. And Frank Vogel also added an assistant coach in Jason Kidd, which raised a lot of eyebrows. He was obviously a favorite, and it seemed like a prerequisite from the Lakers that whatever coach they brought in, bring in Jason Kidd as an assistant, which has created some rumors that perhaps Kidd will be the Lakers head coach in the future, and that Frank Vogel is just kind of a placeholder for right now. I still think he's a pretty good coach, and we're going to see what he can do this season. Um, they've also brought in uh, a few other other pieces to to come on. Uh, Phil Handy, who LeBron James knows uh, knows extremely well. They've brought in a number of different uh, assistant coaches and players like that. Miles Simon is is still around. So the coaching staff is almost completely turned over, with the exception of Miles Simon. And you know what? You're taking a coach who was all about pace, all about the fast break with Luke Walton. And you're switching it to a guy who's much more defensive focused and a very different roster. So it's going to be really interesting to see how this Lakers team comes together. Frank Vogel has his hands full, but he seems optimistic that he's going to be able to produce something really solid here in Los Angeles. It's going to be a completely different look for sure. So, you know, looking at the at the Lakers roster right now, um, as far as their depth goes, is there a position um, or an area in which you think, eh, this might be a little weak and, and you think they might need a little more help in. Yeah, so they need, and by the way, I'm, re- I'm remiss here, I should should have mentioned Lionel Holland's coming in as an assistant coach as well. But yeah, looking at their roster right now, obviously losing DeMarcus Cousins hurt. They replaced him with Dwight Howard, who, I mean, how have I talked this long already and not mentioned Dwight Howard? The fact that he's back in Los Angeles is, I mean, nobody would have ever predicted that. But Dwight Howard is back, and so he'll be manning the the center position. So they've shored that up to a degree because Anthony Davis can play there as well. Plus, you've got JaVale McGee. But the position that really stands out to me is small forward. And a little bit weird to say that because LeBron James is a small forward. But behind him, you don't have anything. You don't have anybody who you would say is a natural small forward. You look at Danny Green, can slide down and play that that position, but he's more of a two. Kyle Kuzma can slide up. We saw him be doing it a bit with Team USA, practicing those perimeter defense skills, but naturally he's probably more of a four. So what they're really missing is a solid wing player who can also defend some of the top wings in the league. And of course, you think of Kawhi Leonard and you think of Paul George with the Clippers. You also look at guys like Giannis Antetokounmpo, Jimmy Butler, all these high-scoring swingmen. You need somebody besides LeBron that you can 
have go after these guys and have uh, have really dig in defensively. So that's made a lot of these Andre Iguodala rumors persist. If he's able to somehow um, reach a buyout with the Memphis Grizzlies, perhaps he'd be an option. Amon Shumpert is another name we've heard. But ultimately, the, the Lakers do look like, at least on paper anyway, they need another wing, and uh, and we'll see what they do to, to fill that spot. So all that in mind, uh, and you did mention a couple of options to kind of fill that backup wing void behind LeBron. Uh, how active do you think this team's going to be when it comes to transactions throughout the season? And could you give me maybe a few more names that you could see uh, might fit well in this roster and and that you think would be you know perfect alongside LeBron, whether it be uh, in a starting role, if they can make a blockbuster trade, or even some quality uh, bench players? Well, the challenge with them, I, I think they're going to be active. I think they're going to be very aggressive in trying to upgrade the roster as much as they possibly can, and that's what we've seen since LeBron walked in the door. But the challenge now is because of the trade they made with the Pelicans, they don't really have any firsts that are available to trade. They could trade their upcoming first um, in the, the 2020 draft, but they can't really trade that until the draft because you don't know what's going to happen with some of these future picks. So the, the Pelicans have kind of managed to handcuff the Lakers with this deal that they've got. Um, so they've also traded away their next three second rounders. So they don't have a whole lot to kind of grease the wheels of a trade in terms of draft assets right now. And also in terms of trades, they have so many players that they just signed this summer that just signed new deals. And those players aren't eligible to be traded until December 15th. So nothing imminent, nothing's going to be happening like in the next few months or anything like that. But around the trade deadline, you could see them pursuing whatever it is that that appears to be a weakness, whether that's a wing player or not. Um, I expect them to be extremely active on the buyout market. They do have a full roster of 15 guaranteed contracts, so they may have to let someone go in order to do that. Perhaps they wind up just waving to Marcus Cousins. That's certainly a possibility since he's probably not going to be playing this season anyway. But guys to look out for are pretty much any veteran player on a team that doesn't seem to be headed for uh, for the playoffs. You think of uh, Tyson Chandler in the Phoenix Suns last season. He winds up on the Lakers after he got bought out because it was clear that, you know, the Suns weren't going to be a playoff team. And maybe James Jones did LeBron James a favor there. But yeah, I mean, any player like that, especially a, a swing man, any type of wing player, Andre Iguodala, of course, is the is the big name that we've been hearing for a while now. But uh, but there's going to be some other interesting players on the market. I think I mentioned Iman Shumpert, uh, even some free agents that are out there. Should a big get injured? Kenneth Fareed is still out there. Joakim Noah is still out there. These are there's going to be some options. So I think they're going to be aggressive, particularly if there's an injury experience somewhere. But given the reality of not really having future picks available to move, I'm not sure how successful they're going to be in terms of pulling off a true blockbuster trade. Fair enough. So I kind of have a two-part question for you here. So the first part of it, you know, what are your kind of projections for this team this year? Uh, you know, where do you see them going in the playoffs? How deep do you see them going and then the second part, so Vegas, last I looked, had the Lakers at about 51 and a half wins. Mm -hmm. Are you taking the over or the under on that? Um, so let's just starting with with where we see them going. They, I think this is a team that is going to have a little bit of a bumpy start. The first two games are against the Clippers and against the Jazz. But then after that, the schedule gets pretty friendly. And I think that's a good thing for them. This is a team with so many new faces coming in that they're going to have to to find time to gel. And I think they can pick up wins against some of these teams they're going to be playing, the Charlotte Hornets, the Memphis Grizzlies, uh, maybe the Mavs are vulnerable, vulnerable, the Chicago Bulls, teams like this where you can make some mistakes on the floor because you're still new 
and and still win just on talent. I think they can pick up some wins early on in the season, and then once their schedule gets tougher, hopefully by then they'll really be gelling and their sets will be crisp and they'll be uh, displaying a lot of chemistry on the floor. That's So the, the schedule makers, I think, helped the Lakers out a little bit this season by giving them what appears to be a fairly easy start. And then as far as that over-under goes, that's hey, look, Vegas is very good at it because that's a, probably right about where I would put them. Um, I guess I'll take, you know, not to be pessimistic, but I'll take the under just slightly because I think there are going to be some growing pains. I think there are going to be some times where LeBron James needs, needs to take a night off for load management. Same thing with Anthony Davis. Um, I do wonder about the point guard position a little bit is Alex Caruso, the, the starting answer there. Is it Avery Bradley who they brought in? Is it Quinn cook? There's nobody that you can really point to and say, okay, that's definitely your starter. So I think there's some hurdles to overcome. And so, yeah, I would put them, I'll take the under, but just barely. I'm going to say they, they hit right about 50, 51 wins. Yeah, on the topic of point guard, um, that's interesting because, you know, when I asked earlier what position, you know, you think they may need the most, I, I kind of thought, um, you know, at some point throughout the season, the Lakers may be looking to make a kind of a big splash trade and, and acquire a more defined starting point guard. And, you know, I, I don't know who that may be or which team may be looking to ship off a starting caliber point guard, but that, that's a good point. That's that's one thing that really could hold them back. Sometimes that point point guard by committee doesn't work out great for some teams. Yeah, definitely. That could, that could be a challenge for them. We'll see if somebody really asserts themselves. We'd heard rumors that LeBron James was going to be the point guard, uh, but that's, you know, he's always the point guard on offense anyway. The question is, who does he defend? If the Lakers just decide to throw caution to the wind and play their five best players, and don't worry about positions, you're probably looking at LeBron, Danny Green, Kyle Kuzma, Anthony Davis, and then either JaVale or Dwight Howard, whichever one wins that that center battle. So there's no there's no natural point guard in that mix. Um, I still think they probably bring in like an Avery Bradley or an Alex, Alex Caruso and maybe send Kuzma or something to be the, the sixth man because you need somebody who can defend ones. But, you know, one of the challenges the Lakers are going to have this season in terms of, of making these trades is, a number of these guys, like Contavious Caldwell-Pope, Avery Bradley, JaVale McGee, uh, Rajon Rondo, all of these guys have de facto no trade clauses because they have second-year player options on their deals, and unless that's picked up, they're on a one-year contract, which means, as a, as a result, um, their bird rights wouldn't be transferring in that trade, and so they have the ability to, uh, to nix any deal. So that could be a complication as well. So that's why I'm I'm more pessimistic about them going after a big time trade because putting together the salaries that'll work and getting these players to agree to be shipped out could be a challenge. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, to kind of piggyback on that question uh, I had last about you know what your projections for the team are, what do you think you would consider a successful season for the Lakers, and what do you think um, you know fans of the Lakers would consider a successful season? I mean, I think Lakers fans always want a championship. There's no there's no question about that. That's a very, very diehard fan base that is all or nothing. But uh, I personally, I think a, a second-round playoff appearance would be successful. If they can make it through to the second round, that's great. If they can make it further, um, the West is tough. But at this point, given that they haven't been in the playoffs in six years, I think second round would be successful, especially if you see a, a jump forward from a guy like Kyle Kuzma, somebody that they can kind of build around moving forward they need their young players the the few young players they have left to really pop here so um so yeah second round playoff uh, playoff exit at least and then if you can get uh get some of the young players to really look good i think that would be a pretty solid season all right so the most fun part of the pod 
We're going to have you give us three hot takes uh, for the Lakers this upcoming season. Uh, keep in mind, these can be individual or team-related, whichever you prefer, or a little bit of both. Okay. Um, number one, I'm going to say, as a hot take, and I think Lakers fans will like this one, I'm going to say Alex Caruso winds up being the team's starting point guard. And that's uh, the reason why that's a, a bit of a hot take is because this is a guy who was playing on a two-way contract last year, only played 25 games for the Lakers, actually, was spending most of his time in the G League. But he was tremendous when he was out there. Lakers, the Lakers organization is very, very familiar with him. He's been on a two-way contract for the last two years. And really, you just need a guy, if you're going to play a point guard with LeBron and AD, you just need a guy who can play defense and hit threes. And he showed last season he can do that. So I'm going to say Alex Caruso, who we've started calling Captain America around Lakers fandom uh, because of a, a Photoshopped picture of him working out that I looks that like name. Captain America was going <laughs> around. So I'm going to go with that one for my, my first one. Um, second hot take, I'm going to say that the Lakers jump into the top 10 in three-point percentage. They were 29th in the league last season, but they've obviously addressed that issue. Danny Green, uh, I'm thinking KCP can shoot better. Avery Bradley can knock down the threes. Uh, you've got uh, Quinn Cook is a phenomenal shooter, 42% from three for his career. And uh, I do believe in Kyle Kuzma's shot. I think he can get back up to that 37% that we saw as a rookie. So I'm going to say they wind up in top 10 in three-point shooting. Um, and final one, third hot take. I'm going to say Anthony Davis wins the MVP. I'm going to say he's he set the goal of winning Defensive Player of the Year. But I think if he is in the running for Defensive Player of the Year, and this is his team, and everything we've heard is that LeBron is ready to hand over control. He tried to give him his number already. Uh, try to give him his jersey number until Nike nicks that until at least the next season. But uh, I think Anthony Davis has a good shot if the Lakers are four seed or, or above and Anthony Davis is the best player on the team and it's clearly his show. I think he's got a real good shot at it. So I'm going to go AD for MVP. That's a hot take. An MVP on a LeBron team would be something else. That's right. <laughs> All right, Trevor. Well, we appreciate you having you on. Uh, again, for our listeners, you can find him on Twitter at Trevor underscore Lane. He is a senior writer for LakersNation.com. Uh, Trevor, I hope you have a good rest of your week and appreciate you coming on. No problem. Thanks so much for having me. Hey, once again, thanks to Trevor. Awesome interview. We really appreciate him coming on. You guys, make sure you go follow Trevor on Twitter. He's a great follow. And the Lakers are a, are a team that really every NBA fan has to keep an eye on this season. So before we jump into our last interview, I want to tell you real quick about Harry's Razors. If you visit their website, you can check out all the different shave sets and face care products and join the 10 million who have tried Harry's. Claim your special offer by going to harrys.com slash bluewire. Harry's founders were two regular guys tired of getting ripped off and paying for overpriced razors. Harry's makes quality, durable blades at a fair price, just $2 per blade. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. This summer, refresh your wallet and your face with a Harry's trial set. It comes with a weighted handle and an easy grip, a five blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade for a close shave, and rich lathering shave gel that will leave you smelling great. And a travel blade cover to keep your razor dry and easy on the go. Listeners of this show can redeem their trial set at harrys.com slash bluewire. Make sure you go to harrys.com slash bluewire to redeem your offer and let them know that the uncontested and blue wire sports sent you to help support the show. 
Now let's go ahead and jump over to our last interview of the day. This one comes from Rob Wolkenbrod, who is with Fansided and with Forbes Sports to talk about the San Antonio Spurs. All right, guys, we're now joined by Rob Wolkenbrod. He is a contributor for Forbes Sports, covering the Spurs, as well as uh, doing some work over at Daily Knicks for Fansided. Uh, Rob, how you doing? Hey, not too bad. Yeah, ready to talk some basketball. Season's finally almost here. Hey, we're getting close, but these last two weeks right before training camp are going to be the worst two weeks, I have a feeling. Yeah, yeah, the time between now and then, yeah, it's good. it drags a little bit. There's really not much going on. But once those teams finally report for training camp, then we just get in the full swing for the next seven, eight months. It's going to be awesome. Absolutely. Um, so kind of just to, to get started off here, uh, you know, the Spurs finished with a record last year of uh, 48-34, and 34, good for seventh in the Western Conference. Uh, of course, they had a first-round uh, loss to the Denver Nuggets. Um, what were your thoughts on the team last year? Kind of, you know, what was the reasoning, in your opinion, for not getting as far in the playoffs? And I, I guess after that, go ahead and start jumping into to what you think they needed to do this summer to fix that and what they actually ended up doing. The Spurs, they were an interesting case last year because they dealt with a, a decent amount of injuries early on. Um from, I mean, they had uh, DeJounte Murray go down, I mean, the preseason. That that just seemed like a, a brutal blow right away. And they dealt with other problems along the way, too, with injuries. But yet again, time after time, this team manages to come through. And they did with, I mean, it wasn't a 50-win season like they were used to doing, but they had uh, 40, yeah, 48 wins. Um, they they. Looked, they look good out there um, for the most part. I mean, seventh place in the West, I mean, it's, it's tough to battle out there. And they did run into the, a really good Denver Nuggets team in the playoffs, but they took them to seven games, which was great. They easily could have won the series, um, and we could have been having a whole different conversation about them right now. Um, but overall, I thought their season was a success. Um I think they addressed some of what they needed to fix in the offseason, like with adding uh, wing depth. Um, they added more young pieces to a, a team that was kind of aging at the top. Uh, and I'm, I'm intrigued with, of, with what they're um, going to move forward with now. It's going to be interesting. So you touched a little bit on the injury of DeJounte Murray. Are there any big injuries um, heading into this season that worry you and, and kind of touch on what you heard about DeJounte heading into this season after missing all of last year? Um, so I, I don't have this this down for Pat, but I think it sounds like he's back to practicing again. It sounds like he's going to be ready for a training camp and whatnot, and that, that's fine. I mean, he's going to have 12 months off already by the time he comes back. Um, you just always worry about when, when a player returns from these major injuries. You never know how they're going to feel. You never know how they're going to feel in that first in-game action when they have to plant their leg down. Um, because we, you, you've seen with injuries with players like Derek Rose years ago, how he handled his knee injury and what that led to. And so many other players. So many other players come back okay. But, um, yeah, it's going to – and Murray's young, so it'll – it's going to be something to watch early on and for however much time he had, he receives on the court. And the other player I know um, suffered injury was uh, Derek White in the FIBA World Cup. He had a concussion, I think, very early on. 
Um, I believe he ended up returning, and it was kind of just put to bed from there. But, of course, concussions are never a great thing to have. Absolutely. So if you'll go a little bit in depth on some of the free agent acquisitions the Spurs had this summer as well as um, kind of the splash they made in the draft and and how you think that's going to affect the team going forward. So with the draft, I was uh, interested – it was – I was actually quite curious. They kept both their first round picks. Um, and I, I like what they got, but I was surprised because they had so many young pieces. Well, they had a good amount of young pieces already. Um, I like Lucas Samanich. Um, hope I'm saying his name right there. Um, he's a uh, big, big, tall forward. Um, very, very mobile. Uh, sounds like he's going to score a decent amount of points. Maybe that's why they were comfortable getting rid of uh, Davis Burton's, um, I like Keldon Johnson for where, especially where they got him at 29th overall. I thought he could have easily been a lottery pick, and he slides in there now as that kind of like that depth depth to uh, Rudy Gay that they needed. Um, I thought that that's going to come in handy. Even Johnson can play um, in the backcourt if necessary. Um, but where they really upgraded that. Um, uh, in the wing position in that yeah middle of the front court was uh, Damari Carroll. They needed something, I think, pretty badly behind uh, Gay after um, Dante Cunningham and Quincy Pondexter just didn't work out. Just wasn't really enough. Um, so I like Carroll. Um, he's not playing at the level that he was with the Hawks a couple of years ago, but he's still fine for being that six foot eight defender that's going to cover guys. Um, yeah, cover your another team's. I guess solid scoring wing, especially in the Western Conference when you got Paul George and Kawhi Leonard out there. Um, so I think he'll come in handy as a good good role player. Nothing more than that, especially for what they're paying him, um, and that's perfectly fine. Um, the other guy was Trey Lyles, who probably shouldn't have been there, um, only for that Marcus Morris uh, free agent <laughs> free agent debacle that happened. Um, but I like Lyles for. His ability to, I guess, stretch the floor a little bit. And he has an underrated aspect to his defensive game um, that I'm looking forward to seeing. And maybe they can get some, stick some value in there. But um, I like what these guys can all bring to the table. Um, I'm not sure how much the rookies are going to contribute right away just because the Spurs like to redshirt rookies in their first year. But I think they have the pieces to create a, I guess, a pretty solid rotation for about 10 to 12 players absolutely and i'm gonna ask you kind of a two-part question here so with all that in mind you know touching on all the acquisitions and uh, the draft pieces that you guys had acquired uh looks like uh, the the most recent over under total that i've seen for the spurs is about 45 and a half which is less than last season um in your opinion are the Spurs better or worse than last year? And are you taking the over or the under on that forty-five-one projection? Ooh, um, that's a that's a good question. If they're be- if they're better, um, it's it's tough because the what the West is it's just loaded every year. Um, and I mean the Spurs have had some decreased expectations over the past few years, especially without Kawhi Leonard. Um, do I think they'll top it over under? I think they can do it. Um, they might even break even on that, honestly, um, because, I mean, the Warriors aren't going to dominate the West, but there's just so many other teams out there that they're going to have to compete with. Um, 
I'm going to, I'm going to say that I'm going to say they, they, I'll say they can break it. I'll give them maybe 46, 47 wins. Yeah. I'm there with you on a, on a Popovich coach team, you know, regardless of the amount of quote unquote talent you have on the roster, uh, he's going to, he's going to implement his style and it's always going to be a pretty solid team. So I, I think you're probably right on that. Um, Next question I have for you here, you know, what are your expectations for the team overall? Uh, how far do you think they'll make it in the playoffs? And, and what do you think would be considered, I guess, a successful season for the Spurs? Um, at this point, a successful season would be for them to to get past um, the first round because they've gotten knocked out of the first round each of the past few years now. Um, so they, they need um, – they need to have some of their young players kind of take another step forward. I think that will be helpful, um, especially someone like Lonnie Walker, who's pr- who should get a nice full-year run um, after he was basically redshirted last year. Um, looking forward to see what he's doing. Um, they also need another year of getting pretty great production out of their older veterans because their roster, um, they have a lot of in- interesting young pieces that I, I like a lot. But when you have LaMarcus Aldridge at age, I believe, 34, Rudy Gay's 33, Patty Mills is 31, um, Damari Carroll, 33, Marco Bellinelli, 33, even, yeah, DeRozan, um, he's, yeah, he's going to cross that line now. So as long as those guys don't start tapering off at all, I think they'll, they'll, I think they'll be okay. I think they'll make the playoffs, obviously, and get maybe sixth or seventh seed. I, want to say that this may will maybe will be the year they can move forward another round but if they have to run into the to the clippers or maybe even the rockets at the top just not sure they can overcome them so i'm gonna say for now they get knocked down the first round for a third straight year and they kind of um go back to the drawing board next offseason at least for the top of the roster Fair enough. Uh, the last question I got for you today, um, and, and you can make this as creative um, as you want to, but give us three, uh, whether it be hot or even just warm takes, three kind of predictions or takes that you have, whether it be team-based or individual-based for this upcoming season. Oh, um, hmm. I think by the end of the season um, – Derek White is going to be a starting point guard over uh, Murray just because I, I'm i just not certain that Murray is going to be able to hold up or or maybe not hold up, but he's not going to look like himself from two years ago. So And White Derek White looked awesome last season in the playoffs, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what he's going to do now with another full year in that system. So I think he's going to end up as a starting point guard. Um, hmm. I think we're going to start to see LaMarcus Aldridge decline a little bit. I thought that was happening last year, but he kind of turned it around. Um, but he's age 34. The league's getting faster. He's not the most athletic big man. So I think his his skill set maybe might start to go down a little bit. Um, that's really a tough call because Aldridge has been awesome for over a decade. But I think this might be the year where you start to see that little, little drop. Um, hmm. for a third one, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say Lonnie Walker is gonna end up averaging, I don't even know if this is a hot take per se, but I'm gonna say Lonnie Walker kind of 
tops expectations as he was he's pretty much a lost guy last year and he and he maybe averages let's say 10 to 12 points and he per game and he takes over um marco bellinelli's spot in the rotation there um just because bellinelli is he's sporadic with his three-point shooting um he's hot and cold um and walker is the fresh young face and I think he's going to do a lot of good work, and he's going to become a Spurs fan favorite by the end of the season. Lonnie Walker is definitely a guy that I'm rooting for. He was a guy coming out of the draft last year that, that I was super high on. He's got awesome hair, and I think you're right. A lot of people, those those draft picks that don't play their rookie year and come back around their second year, a lot of people forget about them. And Lonnie Walker is definitely a guy that you know would have been maybe a top 10 pick had he not – um, you know, fallen there late in the draft. You know, there was some early mock drafts late in the in the college season that year that had him really, really high. Uh, so I think he's definitely a guy that, like you said, a guy like Bellinelli that is known for being just a shooter and, and a streaky shooter at that. A guy like Walker could definitely step in and get some quality rotation minutes. Right, yeah, yeah. Walker, he's, um, yeah, I mean, you barely heard his name mentioned last season because he just – he, he was stuck in the G League. I think he was hurt for a little bit. But the Spurs do this with these first-round picks. They get, they somehow get these talents late in the draft that you expect to go a little higher. And then when they magically show up, everyone's like, oh, hey, who's that guy? I mean, they did that with Murray. They did that with White last year. And Walker might be more talented than both those players. So it's going to be really exciting to see um, just how much he contributes to a team that's already pretty good. Yeah, I mean, you guys definitely have a lot of young guard talent. So, well, Rob, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, again, for the listeners out there, you can find him on Twitter at RealRobWolken. That's R-E-A-L-R-O-B-W-O-L-K-E-N. He covers the Spurs for Forbes. So all the Spurs fans out there, make sure you're um, you know, checking out all of his content there on Forbes. And if you happen to be a Knicks fan, he's also um, doing some stuff for the Knicks on Daily Knicks Fan Sided. Rob, thanks for coming on. I really do appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me on. Have a good one. Hey, again, thank you to all of our guests for coming on. If you guys enjoyed these interviews, please make sure to go follow those guys on Twitter. I'm sure they would really appreciate it. And also follow The Uncontested on Twitter at the underscore uncontested. We really appreciate you guys supporting our podcast for, for riding with us throughout the summer. The summer's almost over, guys. We have training camp starting up here in about a week and a half. It's almost here. We're going to have actual real-life basketball to talk about. It's really exciting. So thank you guys for all the support. Make sure you also check out at Blue Wire Pods on Twitter. You can also find Blue Wire at BlueWirePods.com. Tons of great NFL, NBA, and a ton of other sports podcasts. So make sure you go check them out as well. We will have a Thunder-centric podcast dropping for you guys Thursday morning for later in your week. And then the next time we podcast after that will be after Oklahoma City Media Days. We'll have players from quotes, coaches with quotes, uh, Sam Presti, all kinds of great stuff to talk about. So we're really excited for that. Thunder basketball and NBA basketball is almost back. Again, thank you guys for riding with us throughout the summer. If you haven't already, go drop a five-star rating on iTunes. And we will talk to you guys here in just a few days. Have a great beginning of your week. And as always, Thunder up.
Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.